DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. And Football Fridays are presented by Stonehaven Dental. It's Stonehaven Dental. They say yes. Yes to free exams. Yes to x-rays for new patients. And yes to flexible appointments. Say yes to great dental care. Visit StonehavenDental.com to schedule an appointment. Okay, yes. Yeah. Good to go. Frank Dolce is going to join us momentarily to talk about the Utes. PK... Your level of confidence and the youth's ability to turn this around and make it a good season. Well, I'm not into that right now. I'm into Washington State. Just need one, huh? Yeah. Got to get because the next you one? need to have more than ever right now from the Utah football program the tunnel vision. And I don't want to hear that there's zero and zero in conference. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Everybody is unless you played one game and only two teams have played. Well, now there's been more than that. Yeah. Obviously, but for for Utah, it's not about being zero and zero. It's about playing much better against Washington State. Because if I'm thinking conference, then I'm thinking SC in a couple of weeks. I'm thinking whomever Oregon in November. You know, the traditional big Stanford is looking good all of a sudden, right? I think that's what Stanford did. You look at what Stanford did. Same thing. Disappointing. It came earlier. Stanford loses in a non-competitive game against K-State. Comes back the next week, makes a quarterback change. It's 2-0 since the quarterback change. I believe the Utes are going to make a quarterback change. Go 1-0 since the quarterback change. At Stanford now, the air's cleaner. Food tastes better. On and on and on, right? That's what you've got with Stanford. They're they're 2-0 since the quarterback change. Uh, who'd they play last week? Who'd they beat? Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on! Stanford last week beat Vanderbilt. Right. Because it was a smart school. So it's out of the league, but they're still 2-0, 1-0. It's like that first game didn't happen. I don't want Utah to be talking about their 0-0. I want them to be talking about Washington State. Frank Dolce joins us now on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain is having an end-of-season sale on their irrigation smart controller. Save 50% off each smart controller purchased. Offer available to all commercial property zone listeners. Visit smartrain.net, smartrain.net to schedule a demo today. Frank, good morning. Good morning, guys. Frank, you know why we have you on. To fix what ails the Utes. <laughs> Your Utes. Yes. Frank, yep. fix them. Where do you start? Well, we, you know where we start. It starts right up front. And uh, that that position group is, uh, is just going to have to get much better if they're going <laughs> to start winning some games. I mean, I think there's – I don't think it's uh, – a desperate situation for Utah. I think they're lacking a little uh, identity on the offensive side. We've, we've seen Utah teams go through this before. I think um, they don't, you know, they haven't found the Zach Moss um, type of running back quite yet. I think they have a couple of good guys, a couple of good options. Maybe they're not, they're not going to have a Zach Moss type this year. And um, and they need to settle in on the quarterback, and I think maybe we're we're going to see that this weekend. But but truthfully, you know when things go well for Utah, it starts up front, and 
on the and, and when things go poorly for Utah, it starts up front. So I think that's the place where you have to get a lot better going into Washington State. What do you think of my idea? Stop talking about zero and zero in conference because that implies that you have an opportunity. Don't worry about that. That'll take care of itself. And the sole entire focus is simply on winning, beating Washington State. And I refer it back to Stanford. They lose. They lose awful in the first game. Make a quarterback change. They beat SC. They beat Vanderbilt. Suddenly the world is looking a whole lot brighter for them. I believe that's the same type of attitude that the Utes need to take. Just worry about winning Saturday afternoon. That's it. Yeah, I I tend to agree with that as well. You know, one week at a time sort of attitude. And I know that, you know, people want to talk about, well, all of the, you know, everything, that all the goals are still in front of this team um, in terms of conference play and opportunities exist and all of that. But, but you know, what? It just, just nothing, nothing matters unless you beat Washington State. And then right. if you beat Washington State, then you can think about the next week and you can think about the next week. And, you know, if you don't beat Washington State, then you have to reevaluate where, you, where you're headed. But, but um, yeah, I, I, like the one, I like the one game at a time kind of attitude. And that's always seemed to fit with Coach Whittingham's style is, you know, he just he, – he, he is pretty good about um, – getting past a win and getting past a loss and moving on to the next week and then just focusing on that week. So I think that's a good fit for, for what he wants to accomplish and what the team needs to accomplish this week. So you were on a couple of weeks ago uh, talking about the uh, mechanics, and the mechanics were so good in the quarterback spot. Now the quarterback play has not been good. How much of those mechanics break down because of the pass rush, and is that a big reason to make the change here? Is that maybe they got a quarterback who's better on the move? Well, it's a good question because I still think that if you watch Charlie Brewer run around and throw the ball, you know, warming up and when he's not under pressure and things like that, he's mechanically very good. He's really good. And um, he throws a good ball and it looks right and, you know, everything seems to align. And, uh, but, and, that, and that happened against Weber State. And then in the past two weeks, you know, under pressure, uh, all of a sudden it's tough to, to be mechanically sound. And, and maybe, maybe what we're witnessing is a guy like Charlie Brewer, who's, who when he's not mechanically sound, then he struggles uh, with accuracy. And I think we saw that. It, it seemed to me that even against San Diego State, when there was a clean pocket or it, se- it seemed like he had time to throw the ball, the previous pressure was, was bothersome and his mechanics weren't great. And he still, wasn't, he, he still wasn't accurate with the ball. He was still having trouble with accuracy. So that's a, that's a hard thing. And, you, you know, you kind of scratch your head because you look back at, across his career at Baylor and he's thrown for – you know, 10,000-plus yards, and there's, there has to be something to that. Um, I still go. I still think that, you know, one thing we have to consider is that um, he, he probably had a different set of uh, assets available in terms of receiving group at Baylor. That was probably a, something that was helpful for him. Um, whatever, the, whatever the case is, 
if you're struggling up front and and you have a quarterback that that is struggling under pressure and doesn't necessarily have a great ability to break the pocket and make plays with his legs, you know, then you have to make the switch to a guy that does, and that's that's Cam Rising. Cam Rising showed the ability to even under pressure still have some accuracy with the ball and the ability to break out of pressure and make a play with his legs or downfield with his arm on the run. So, you know, if the, if the, if the, if up front is not going to be a strength, if, if you're going to struggle up front, then the complimentary quarterback is a guy who is a little more mobile and has the ability to do something outside of the pocket. What do you think about making the change at quarterback? And I think they will simply because I've been around rising a little bit in the interviews, and, and I'm just always impressed with his sort of cockiness, confidence, swag, as he talks about. And I believe that the players see it too. There's there's a reason that Rising was voted a captain. Sure, uh, he wasn't he wasn't named the starter necessarily. They were still in a battle. But he was named a captain, and he he wears the C on his jersey, and so I think there's there's something to be said for that. And he does have uh, he does have a little bit of of that swagger, and um, and you have to the guy, the guy came in, and I mean his first couple series weren't very good against San Diego State, but it seemed like it didn't bother him. Like, he was just going out for the next series. Okay, so now we're going to go score this series. We're going to go, go score the next series or whatever. I mean, just have the ability to shake it off. So I think that's meaningful. And, and by the way, when your quarterback's struggling, um, all the other guys around you can start, you know, trying to rally around the quarterback. But it's a, there's a sense of, on the team of what's happening if your quarterback's not playing well, if your quarterback's struggling. That's, that's hard to overcome if your right. quarterback is, is losing confidence. And so – and when you have a guy come in there um, who has a, who shows a little grit, it, it just bolsters everybody. And I think that's what we saw on Saturday night. Anything else on this team worry you, or is the other stuff coming together now and you're feeling pretty good? It's just getting this, getting this figured out. Well, I mean, it's a, I think it's a little worrisome that there, we, Utah really hasn't identified a go-to wide receiver. I mean, uh, Brit- Britton Covey is a guy that you want to get the ball a bunch, and they did. Uh, and Keithy and Kincaid and Fotheringham. I mean, there's a there's four guys right there that are you know very meaningful in in the passing game. Um, but I still feel like one other guy needs to emerge, maybe. A, you know, Jalen Dixon or, or Enos or Howard, one of those guys needs to become a go-to guy and a guy that can pressure a defense. And, and so I don't know. I mean, the, the fact that San Diego State was running five- and six-man pressure regularly just demonstrates they weren't too worried about, you know, what was happening on the outside. Like, they felt like they could manage that. So I think that's a, that's a little bit of a concern. I'm pretty optimistic about the defensive side. I mean, I looked at that game again, and and the defensive numbers are are pretty darn good. And and I watched the way that Utah played. That that I, I thought they played much better on the front. The one area where they failed is they they lost the quarterback run game, which is you know that, that 
that is uncharacteristic of a Utah defense. But they lost the quarterback run game. He ran for almost 100 yards, and that was a difference in the game. Certainly the, the poor special teams play was a difference in the game. The interception put the defense in a difficult spot. So I'm optimistic. I mean, I think the defense took a step forward. And, and if you just look at, you know, strictly the numbers on the defensive side, um, you could probably say that's a, that's a winning effort. So I'm optimistic about that. Uh, I think that's a good matchup against Washington State. You just, you know, the Utah offense, just this is the week for them to come along. I mean, it's a, it's a group that's going to have to score 20, 25, 30 points a game. They have a defense to bring with them now, it seems like, but, but they're going to have to put a few points on the board, and that's where I, you know, I still there's a big question mark to me. So you're part of the group with Dave Fox and those guys. Does a great job on the high school coverage. Really appreciate that. I think it's awesome for the kids in the state. And with that in mind, you saw up close Jackson Dart play at Corner Canyon, obviously. And going forward here, he played at SC, came in for Slovis, and I thought he looked absolutely awesome. Uh, what was your assessment? I don't know if you saw the game, but I'm sure you're aware of it. I watched the whole thing and thought, you know, he had the first pick, pick on the first possession, and then just really, really took off. Uh, so put yourself in the position of evaluating him, and if you're the SE interim coach, what are you going to do? Well, that's a good question. I, I did have the opportunity to watch Jackson play several times in high school. He was very impressive. I made the comment a few times that, I thought he was the most game-ready, college-ready quarterback I've ever seen come out of the state of Utah. And, I mean, just the size, the athleticism, the arm strength, the ability to move, move the ball around the field, I just he seemed to have all the tools. The one tool you worry about is above the shoulders, and, and it seems like he passed that test in game one with USC. So uh, who knows, but maybe a budding superstar in our hands. But I, I'm really high on Jackson Dart. Uh, that's uh, that's a difficult situation to come into. He managed it extremely well. Uh, if he's the starter, I think he'll have success, but I also think he'll struggle a little bit. I mean, it's just part of the it's just part of the deal because the game changes. It's it's a speed difference. It's an athleticism difference. Um, it's a complexity of defense difference. Although. Coach Kerr did a really good job of preparing them, as he does all his quarterbacks. That's just a, it's a difficult step to take. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him have success, even as a true freshman. Um, but I'm, I'm also certain he'll have some struggles throughout that. In terms of whether or not he should uh, he should start, um, he should go. He should he should be the guy moving forward. Uh, I don't know. Washington State, I, I don't know what to think of Washington State. I think that was a good opportunity for, for Jackson to get some playing time. Um, but USC hasn't been especially productive prior to that with Slovis. And, and depending on Slovis's injury, maybe you just give him another week off and you say, hey, let's, let's see, what this, see what this kid can do. It's not a throwaway season by any stretch for USC, but – but uh, Jackson Dart, certainly with his effort on Saturday, is going to make it difficult in the, in the coaching staff room about who to start on, on, uh, in the next game. I wouldn't be surprised to see Jackson Dart start, but that's, uh, you know, that's, a big, that's a big tall ask for a freshman. Well, it's Oregon State this week at home, and then it's Colorado on the road, so 
USC ought to be oh, four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. USC ought to I mean, be four D, and one D, when Utah comes D, calling. Yep. Yep, PK, yep. they might they might give you a call, PK. You could probably start those two games and, <laughs> and give USC a shot. I mean, that's... Uh, maybe a couple years ago. I don't know about now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean that's a good point. That's a good point. This might be just an excellent opportunity to give uh, Jackson Dart really good game experience uh, because those are two, as as we all know, those are two very beatable teams in the Pac-12. Frank, we appreciate it. Of course, it's my pleasure. It's great to catch up with you guys. Thank you, Frank. Frank Dolce, our Utah football insider and analyst for the Zone Sports Network. I think Oregon State's a little bit better than we may think. I think Colorado's going to struggle to win any game. Because you can't score. If you can't score, how do you win? You don't. Yeah. Three ranked teams less for USC. They got the midseason game with Notre Dame because it's back there, so that's October 23rd. And at the end of the year, they got a top five game. UCLA and BYU are both currently ranked. UCLA 24 and BYU up to 15. Well, the Bruins won't be ranked at the time, but the Cougars will be ranked in the top 10. But that's it. They got no other ranked schools on their schedule. Bearing down on that, that might be for the Rose Bowl. (laughs) That's an earlier (laughs) phone call. You had to be here because I take that serious. I found out where he saw it from. The guy named Big Big Game Boomer. He's an Oklahoma guy who puts out all these lists of different things, and he listed the... Does Big Game Boomer know that the Apparently Rose Bowl not. has to pick a Pac-12 team Apparently they lose not. a Pac-12 team? So has Big Buddha put it out there? Not, not, not Big Buddha. Not Big Buddha. <laughs> big Game Boomer. <laughs> big Game Boomer. Because I like Big Buddha. <laughs> Always says hi to me when I see him. Uh, he's, he does. He always <laughs> chats you up. I haven't seen him in a while, but he always chats me up when I do see him. When we have Barry on, our Big 12 correspondent, yes. when we have Barry on, we'll have to ask him about Big Game Boomer and see what he knows about Big Game Boomer. Never heard of him. <laughs> me neither. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We are talking with Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver. He ought to be ecstatic. That's coming up in about 15 minutes. Stay with us.